This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23, follow at your own risk. And joining me today is the host of the Combing the Roots podcast, an executive team member here at The Witness, Ali Henny. Ali, what's going on? Hey, everyone. Not a whole lot. Just staying quarantined. Yeah, you know, so it's so interesting. Since we last recorded a Pass the Mic episode, and since we've last, you know, been together as a team, so much has changed. And it feels like the first three months of the year 2020 have been a decade, right? It feels like it's been multiple decades, actually. Um, And so we want to address the elephant in the room that we are dealing currently with a global pandemic that is so serious and has uprooted everything that we've expected it's changed our way of life. And obviously we're talking about COVID-19 and it's affected many lives and and actually to this point has killed many people. And we should say a lot can change even from the time that this is released, uh, from the time that this is recorded. So if some of the things that we say are inaccurate, I apologize. We're just, it's kind of changing and shifting every hour and every day. And so Ali, let me ask you this before I get into kind of the meat of what we're talking about, but are you guys currently under a shelter in place order where you live? So Missouri, finally, I think that we are one of the last states to really do anything. And Missouri is a trip. That is a whole other discussion. (laughs) But where I live has been under a shelter in place. um, Oh, gosh, probably since like March uh, 26th or something like that. It was it was the last around the last uh, two weeks of March when we went in a shelter in place and then the, the state has finally caught up. And so they're doing a shelter in place for now until April 24th. Yeah. So we actually were one of the last states as well to kind of get on this train. And obviously Florida, there's so many Florida man memes. And, you know, I've had to tell the team, we got to put a ban on the Florida man memes in the witness staff. You know, me and Adam Keeley are native Floridians. So, you know, we, we had to fight for our state. But the reality of the matter is our state's been wilding. Like our governor's been wilding and he has not put in the, the shelter in place order until recently. And even then there's so much that's adjusted, so much that's shifted with that because it's really kind of toothless. And it's uh, depending on where you live, it's not really enforced uh, to the way that it should to save people and keep you know our communities healthy. So you know, as, as we're thinking about being sheltered in place, being quarantined, uh, which probably almost all of us who are listening to this podcast are under that order, I just want to sit back and take some reflections on how we're doing and what we're noticing throughout this time and this season. What I think it's it's shown us is that it's revealed some things and brought some things to light, both inside our world and then also inside our church as well. So Ali, what are some things that you're seeing right now, things that you've reflected on as you look across the landscape, you see the news Um, You see the things that are happening in your local community, in your family, in your personal experience. What's really standing out to you that's something we should pay attention to? 
Well, you mentioned like the church's response and there's a lot. We like that is an episode in and of itself. But something that I noticed was some of the church's reluctancy to really take this seriously. And for some churches it, it literally took orders from their their local state and even the national government to even consider shutting down. So for instance, there is a mega church where I live, very, very large church that has uh, thousands of members. And as we were, as the CDC was talking about social distancing and kind of putting out some guidelines. So just whenever the guidelines were like that, that hot minute where it was like two gatherings of 250 or above. This church actually decided to still meet. Thousands of people decided decided that they were still going to meet. And the kind of interesting thing about this is that they said that they had the blessing of their county health department. But then like the county health department actually came back and was like, we never even talk to anybody from your church. Oh, wow. oh my goodness. So why so why are like like what is this? And so they they met that first Sunday that um there was uh, that first Sunday that that we were under CDC guidelines, you know, no no uh no gatherings over 250 people. So the other kind of twist to this that that makes the story super personal for me is that my uh, youngest daughter actually attends preschool at this church's preschool. And oh, wow. so we we oh, don't we don't attend the church, but we um we don't attend that church, but she but she goes to preschool there. So within a week there were uh four people who worked um at a who who worked in the same workplace who came up with COVID-19 and one of them had wow. attended the church not the same Sunday that they had met um before before we were told you know nothing nothing above 250. It was actually, it was March 8th. It was actually the week before, but there was this whole thing where it was like, oh my gosh, they were, they were at church and they, they were at that church and they could have spread it and other people could have spread it the week that they met that we, that, that we were told not to meet. And so then the Mm -hmm. other plot twist came where about a week later, we got an email from the preschool saying that there was someone on one of the teachers from the preschool had was presenting with symptoms of COVID nineteen, and so oh my goodness, and so yeah, it was a whole what? entire thing. So thankfully, 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 the last time that my daughter had been at school had been about a week before we received that email. The last time that she was there, and it was actually it was this hmm. kind of father daughter day or father uh, child day that they that they had at the school. So my husband was at the school too during during the day, um, but it, that was on a Thursday, and we got the email on a Friday, and so we we didn't have any symptoms. Our child wasn't in the class with it with a teacher that was presenting with the symptoms. And so then we found out about a week or so later that that teacher, at least according to the email that we got from the school, had tested negative. Now, I mean, they also the, the, the church also said that they had had the blessing of the health department of their county. So so take that for what it's worth. But it was but it definitely was was a thing. And for me, it was just like, 
if, if that like that person, you know, before before the CDC guidelines, before whatever, they were at the church. There's nothing that we could do about that. But it's like y'all could have not met the next week, and that would have kept a whole lot of people out of danger. Um, I don't know. Right. Just peace Nobody's of mind, really you know. Just like lot. sitting back and thinking yeah, through, right? like you know, the fear and the worry of, and even the panic for a parent that oh, my child could be exposed to this. Right. It's just there 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 were just so many things that I think that this that the that this pastor I shouldn't say the pastor that that the uh because it's you know it's a large church. The the pastor uh, of the church, you know, there's there's it's not just that one person that's making the decisions. It's a lot of people that are that are making decisions. And this camp and, the, and I get the other thing that I forgot to mention is that this church was actually multi-site too. So you have where there's all these different points of contact and they never told us which campus um that the possible case w- or that the actual case was at. Um it's just you know there there was just a lot there that you could see where people's desire to do church for that. I call it the church industrial complex hmm. where like, it's Come like, on. Oh, we've got, we've got to have, we got to have church. You know, we've got it. We've got to keep the programs running. We've got to, we've got to, you know, keep the, keep the passing the offering plates. And I don't mean that in like a cynical way. I've worked in, in church ministry for a long time. Online giving, a lot of folks give online giving, a lot of folks give direct deposit. There are a lot of people that that faithfully give that way, but people still pass the plate or the bucket or the bag or whatever it is on Sunday because you get a lot of money that way. And so it's, you know, I, I'm not saying that this church is is money grubbing or anything like that, but what I'm saying is that there's this there's this desire, there's this, there's almost like a, a capitalistic desire within a lot of the American church that just treats church like a business. And it's like, you know, I'm there, I'm getting, I'm going to come, I'm going to get my blessing. It's, you know, it's, it's us, it's our, it's our tribe, it's whatever. And it's so selfish because it doesn't think of, of the world. It doesn't think, it's like, we've got to meet because we're the church, but we don't think of the world. And then, you know, I won't even start talking about all the people who are, you're infringing on our religious freedom to keep us from meeting. I won't even start talking right. about those people. But that was something that was like, wow, you know, my, like I don't even attend that church, but my child, you know, goes there twice a week. And like, you know, that really could have messed us up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could have exposed you. It could have exposed your family. Um, and I'm so glad that you bring this up because that was really my core reflection and both of us have worked in church ministry for a while. And, you know, in my particular case, I'm, I'm leading a church currently. And so, you know, the first thing I'll say is nothing that I've learned, nothing that I've heard, no training that I've received, no book that I've read has prepared me to lead during a pandemic, right? There's well. no, there's no preparation for that. And I, I might, I might also add, you know, not as a poke or a dig, but just being honest, like most of us aren't really trained in crisis management either. Um, I was actually having a call with one of um, our the friends of the witness, Pastor John Faison, and he had mentioned just in passing before we got into the meat of the call, he said, you know, this has just reminded me again and again of how being a pastor is being a crisis manager. You know, and we see this with mm-hmm. the presidential administration, but being a pastor really is being a crisis manager. It's being one who sits back and takes inventory of, of how our people, how the flock is affected by the events of the world. And so as as I was thinking through and processing this, you know, it was one of the first real significant decisions that had to be made, which is what do we do as a church and how do we 
you know, how do we meet and what, what are those things? How do we um, adhere to the guidelines of the CDC and, and what do we do? And so, you know, what I've seen is that there's this recurring conversation in church circles about the gathering of the believers and about why the believers gather uh, and 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 how they should gather, um, and so it's been it's been this recurring conversation that's been going back and forth. But I think what's invaded this conversation is our Western our Westernized view of the faith, like us mm-hmm. baptizing mm-hmm. the ancient faith in the capitalistic practices of we have to meet every single Sunday the same way um, to do the same things to receive the same funds to keep the same programs running. And it really kind of gives this sense, you know, the, the the Florida governor even mentioned churches and church gatherings as essential services. So our local sheriff is saying, well, you can meet for church services. We're not going to shut you down, but just make sure that you follow the CDC guidelines. And I don't know of very many churches uh, locally that could fall under the 10, you know, guidelines and then spread out six feet or anything like that. He said, well, maybe you can do multiple services and things like that. And I'm like, well, what is he saying? Like, how is he giving us permission to do this after what the governor had even said with the shelter in place order? And so what it's doing is it's challenging this conversation among Christians is what is our responsibility to the world around us? What is our responsibility to our neighbors? And I would just submit to us that many of us have to take a step back and analyze whether or not we've been addicted to our traditional church services and settings and liturgy so much that we have missed the point of them. You know, I think sometimes mm-hmm. we look at them and we say, we just have to obey the commands. Well, what's the point of the commands? Well, well, well. <laughs> like, the point of the commands is not for us to obey the commands just to obey the commands, but the point of the commands is to point us to the character of God. And if the character of God is loving to those who are without, loving to those who are in our communities, loving to our city, loving to our neighbors, then if the if if us even obeying what we think is obeying strict adherence to those commands is hindering us from doing the core of why the commands exist, well then we have to take a take a, a step back and say, is it really about the building? Is it really about what we're mm-hmm. doing? Is it really about all this? Um and so and so I'm having to take inventory of this even as a pastor because man, we don't we don't have a big church. You know, we don't have a church that's that's swimming in money. And so, you know, taking that step back to online services, which we made the decision to do, and taking that step back to online services and trying to figure out how that works and and moving to an online only format. I mean, there have been some financial challenges with that. There's been some 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 difficulties with that. But I tell you what, if if we are gonna go down, I'd rather I told my sister this, I was like, I'd rather be broke than put our people in danger. Mm-hmm. Like I'd rather go under then infect one person. And there are churches in our area still meeting. And you know, it's not my desire to go back and forth with anybody or anything. I pray God's mercy and protection on y'all, even as y'all meet in a way I don't think is wise. Like, you know what I'm saying? I want, I want that same mercy and grace for myself. But, you know, I've had to take a step back and say, what is my faith built on? Is my faith really built on justice and equity and love and care for my neighbor? Or is it built on ritual? Or is it built on me going and clocking in and saying, I preached a good message and I came to church and people gave and the program continued? What good is that if we harm our neighbors? What good is that if we harm the flock, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's been that's been something I've I've been wrestling with so much because we have to take inventory of this in our hearts and our minds as, you know, you might not be a church leader, you might not be a ministry leader, but even as a participant in the in the body of Christ. And so I think, Ali, what we're really talking about is is again, what does justice and equity and love have to do 
with our Christian profession? What does it have to do with our belief system? And isn't that what we've been talking about for years yeah. now? And it seems listen, like, listen, it seems listen, like listen. we've been talking about it for years and years mm-hmm. and years. And now we're put in practice to say, okay, now it's a challenge. Test what you say. Well, Not just do you care about black lives. Not mm-hmm. just do you care about immigrant lives. Not just do you care about Native American lives. Like, no, actually take a, an inventory and a stock of do you care about your neighbor enough to sacrifice a check? Enough to sacrifice your program, enough Mm -hmm. to say, hey, people might not come back. I don't know who's going to come back to our church once COVID is over. I have no clue. Mm -hmm. Like, who knows? Who knows? People might say, well, you know, it didn't reach us in the way that I thought it would. And so I'm going to go visit this other church or I'm going to go to this other place. That's still meaning. But do we have the faith enough to say, I want to be faithful to stand before God with clear conscience that I, I cared for people ahead of programs. I care for people ahead of projects. And that's what we've been talking about for years, right? Well, it sure has. You know, for me, it comes down to Jesus told us that the first and second greatest commandments were love God and love your neighbor. And everything else hangs everything. Come on. Yes. So we can say that maybe in Christ's humanity, maybe he didn't know about COVID 19, but I am sure that the ascended risen Christ knew. (laughs) <laughs> about yeah, COVID nineteen, yeah. the pre the pre incarnate Christ knew about COVID nineteen. So God is all wise, God is all knowing, God is all is all seeing, and so the Word of God doesn't just become void because of our tradition. Now, I there are a lot of folks out there that are proof texting why they should still meet. I feel like a lot of those proof texts is coming from the constitution and not from the holy scripture, but that's a whole other that's a whole other discussion. But I I really feel like that it comes down to loving their neighbors. So, for me, for my family, I actually attend a, a small Episcopal church. I'm, I'm of the Anglican faith. Uh, Episcopal churches is the denomination that that we're that we're part of. And so, the first week that the CDC had put out guidelines of the no more than 250, my church fits way under that. And so, on we we have uh, three services in a, in a weekend: a a Saturday service that that on a good day has 20 people, and then a Sunday two Sunday services that maybe have maybe 40 people a piece. It, it kind of fluctuates. So that first Sunday, um, whenever those whenever those guidelines were put out, my church actually met. I actually chose not to go to my church because there were that my church there's a there's a lot of older saints that are there and my kids are always sniffling, always sick, always whatever because they they are petri dishes full of bacteria. <laughs> of course, of and course, so every kid. Every every child just always incidentally being under quarantine has has um curtailed that some. I think that there might be some seasonal allergies or or different things kind of going on now. I'm pretty sure we don't have covid, but I knew that if we went I, I didn't. I didn't want my my to potentially even even if we. I didn't think that we had been exposed, but even if we had potentially been exposed, not wanting to to subject my 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 fellow my fellow believer to something like that, like people who are like you, older populations are are more susceptible, and so not wanting to even take the risk. So my family my family just stayed home, and the, even wow. even in the in the midst of that, I just said, you know what, let's let's just stay let's stay home, and so I think that we really have to. This has forced the church 
to rethink and to reimagine what it is. And something that I'll, that I'll say, and I, and I don't mean this as a, as a critique of anybody, but I see a lot of churches still trying to maintain the status quo online like the same level of 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 go getting of we got to have programs we got to have this we got to have that when I I kind of feel like that that we are in a moment where where I'm not saying that God caused the pandemic I'm not saying that this is anything that has been orchestrated by Him but we are in a moment where there is a divine where I feel like there is a divine pause the last time that I that I feel hmm, like we hmm, were in hmm. this moment was on September 11th. Um, I was in high school on, on 9-11, and I remember watching those events unfold. And something to this day that still, whenever I think about it, that gives me chills. It, you know, seeing it happen, I, I, we watched, st- I, I was in my Algebra 2 class watching the towers fall. You know, it was, it was a thing. I got announcements throughout the, throughout the end of the day. I was supposed to run in a cross country meet that day and it was canceled. And so I remember, so I, like all the different sports teams, their, their, their practices and their stuff was canceled, except for my cross country right. team. My, my coach was like, okay, well, we're not, we're not running in the, in the race, but we're still going to practice today. So we, so we ran like three miles that day. Oh my goodness. And <laughs> I remember uh, at coming home. So, so my day was more or like, it was not a normal day at all, but, 9-11, the thing that hit me that I, that I always remember, that I will always remember till, till the day that I die, and I think that I will tell my children about, is like that that day hit me whenever I came home, like I usually did after cross-country practice, and turned on the TV and started flipping the channels and started seeing there's, MTV is, is now CBS News. This, you know, QVC was just, a, it just had like a, a card that had the number for the Red Cross on it. There wow. were very few channels that, uh, there were very few channels that had anything except for the news. And that, like Nickelodeon was still going. I think Disney Channel was still going. Of course, you know, the kids programming was still there because you wouldn't show like fire and death and destruction to children or at least try to have them avoid it. But every other channel was was nothing but 911 programming and that that moment for me it felt like a holy pause like a holy silence i don't know how to describe it but it was like the world is different you know the world like like the mm. world something about mm. the world has the world has stopped and all eyes are on this disaster well this, it's the same with COVID-19 or is, is similar with COVID-19. Now, the difference between a virus and a terrorist attack or even a natural disaster or something like that is that you can see the hurricane. Like you can see the effects of the hurricane. You can see the buildings fall in a, in a terrorist attack. But this is a virus and it's unobservable by the naked eye. And so we have this national crisis that's taking place. And there, there are, you know, I think 200,000 people, something like that in the United States that have this, that have been diagnosed with this mm. virus. Yeah. At the, at the time of this recording, at I the should time of say, this right? recording, at the time of this recording, and who knows, because it seems like there's exponential growth on this. There are emergency rooms, different people. I, I have a good friend who is in, um, who's a, who's a doctor and um, I've, I've been, 
hearing some about like what's been going on at, at their hospital, some of the different precautions and stuff that they're, that they're having to take and everything. And it's like the world has, has changed. And you listen to news programming, it's pretty much all that's on the news. It's all anyone can talk about. It's, it's everywhere. And we're in this moment that requires us that, that any person, I, I think with any kind of decency, it requires us to stop. And even if it's not requiring you to stop, like, like you're, you're, the, the God is putting the brakes on things. Like the brakes are being put on things right now. And it's been very difficult for me to watch the church or watch aspects of the church try to keep going. And I'm not saying, you know, I, I, I get having, having service and wanting to have the, um, th- a similar worship experience to what you would have if, if you were live. I, I understand, I understand that impulse to say, okay, you know what? We, you know, we value singing. We, we value having a choir. We value having all these things. So we're, so we're singing so we can, so we can lift the Lord up and kind of enter into a moment together. I, I totally understand that. And I, and I totally respect that. Um, however, I think that the thing that gives me pause and gives me alarm whenever it's like, but we're like, we're still going to try to keep the same schedule. We're still going to try to do 50, 11, 50, 11 small groups. We're still going to try to do, um, right. bi- virtual oh Bible studies. We're still going to try to do all yeah, this stuff. Yeah. And, and hear me, I get that, that the small groups fulfill a social need for people. I get all these things, but it's, but I think, I just feel like that people are taking the church industrial complex and taking the, the Christian capitalism online. And so there's, there's, there's no understanding that this is like a national crisis. This is, this is like a national trauma. Like, like, would we still be doing that if this was, if this was a 9-11 type thing? Like if, 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 yeah. if airplanes had, had run into, into buildings in every single state in the union and emergency workers were being dispatched and whatever, would we, would, would churches still say, oh, well, yep, we gotta, we, we, we better still have our college small group. We went, well, guess we better have a bunch of Zoom meetings and whatever. And mm. once again, mm. I'm not, I'm not criticizing that. I'm just, I, I think that what I'm questioning is just this impulse to to keep going in the same way and not seeing how maybe this could be a moment where this is a this is a time of shifting and mm, maybe mm, we need mm. to shift some stuff in how we do church and and you know, I I really am, I I hate to be the type of person that is like you know my church my denomination my what whatever is doing everything right and everybody else sucks like I am the last person on earth to do that but something that I really have appreciated about about my my particular parish in particular, but also kind of the the, the general like our, our diocese or or like it would be in some other denominations it might be like a district or 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 a synod or something like that, um, depending on what denomination that you're in. But something that I've really appreciated is first of all like the the, the leader of our diocese, our, our bishop, like just saying, okay, look, we're not gonna we're not gonna do church. Like, like everybody, like the, the first week he was like, okay, you know, you, you know, your parishes and the par- there's like a lot of different church sizes. So it was like, y'all figure out what you need to do based on your congregation. But then like the second week, everything came around. He was just like, uh, uh-uh, we're like, we're, we, we can't, we can't do this. And he's given because, because I'm Anglican, cause I'm, I'm Episcopal, um, the something that, 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 that is a distinctive of the Episcopal church of the Episcopal tradition is receiving communion every week. And so that is 
um, kind right, of the highlight right. is, is like you're receiving the body and blood of Christ every single week. And so we haven't been able to do that. We haven't been able to to parta- participate in that. The other thing is that you know this is getting ready. I think for, for you know, the church, the, the church wide, at least in the West, the the Eastern Church is is will be a week behind us this year. But we're gearing up for Holy Week. As of this recording, this Sunday will be Palm Sunday, and so we're ge- gearing up for Holy Week. And so you know, in in traditions that are more liturgical, that's like. That I don't know. I, like I would say, it's like you know, it, it, it's like it's like the Super Bowl, basically. Yeah. Oh, definitely. In the it is one hundred percent. I mean, I mean, every every church is like this, but I think that in liturgical churches, it's like it's like the Super Bowl. It's like it's like the Super Bowl plus. Like it's like the super. It's like the Super Bowl halftime show and the Super Bowl and the pregame and everything <laughs> right, because right. because because everything is is very similar every single week, and so it's like oh hey Easter boom we're doing all this other stuff, and so it. And so we, we're not going to have that. And so something that I've really appreciated about about my church and, and about our rector in particular is he's is he's had um, something where you know, he lights candles for for people who want to offer prayer and uh, who want who who want prayer. And so every day he posts a picture on Facebook and we can drop prayer requests there and he'll light a candle and then say, and then say like, okay, your candle is bottom row fifth from the left. And so that's been something that's been a very kind of grounding practice for me. It's something that I, that I look forward to. That's not something that my church typically does, but, but that's, but that's a difference that, but that's something that's been different. My church has still had service, but it's been, but it's been like the, 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 the rector and the music person. And then one other person with it, with an iPhone recording. And, and so still getting to enjoy, it's still getting to enjoy the service, but it, but it, but there's something about it that, that feels different that it, that it, it because you're, because we're not receiving communion, whatever it's that it, that it feels, it feels different. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like the same, the same fanfare and stuff that there is. It takes on, it, 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 it it's not intended to, but it takes on a different tone. And so something that's, that's really cool that, um, that they're doing is actually figuring out a way to distribute uh, communion wafers to everyone who's who's requested them at figuring out a safe way to be able to do that so we can receive communion i believe on palm sunday and i think possibly on easter sunday and if not mm-hmm. if not on palm sunday then definitely on easter sunday but finding a way uh, for palm sunday they're they're leaving some palms out in front of the church and we can and we can go get them and have them for for palm sunday so finding different ways to be able to still be the church and still and mm. still do things together. Um, another thing that 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 uh, that the rector of our church is doing is um, because of the Episcopal Church we use the Book of Common Prayer like that's that's basically like the main service book uh, for the Episcopal Church. And so there have been like times where we've had prayer meetings on on um, Facebook, and and so we've been able to kind of commune in that way. And so you might listen and say like, well, well how is that different than like the church industrial complex, like 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 you're you're like like how's that any difference the, the difference for me the difference that i see and i see other churches doing this i'm just i'm just speaking about about my church within my tradition but i've seen other pastors do this where it's taking this this kind of almost stripped down 
approach to it where it's not feeling like there, there are churches that I've seen that do the production very well and it not feeling like a we're just trying to re- we're just trying to re- replicate what we have so we can keep up the hype like I've seen some churches do that like I, I feel like that actually your church Tyler New Dimensions I feel like that y'all do very well <laughs> have done very I, no, I've I watched appreciate parts, of your, ser- yeah, I, I've appreciate watched parts of your service and I feel like that it like you know it's it's um I know that that you know you're in a different location or whatever, but it, but but the, the parts of services and stuff that I watch is that it doesn't it doesn't feel ostentatious. It doesn't it doesn't feel extra. It's just you know we're we're here and 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 we're and we're here and we're serving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Oh, that's that's our team, man. Our team is 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 amazing. Like they they've really done a good job not to like go all out. And you know I've told them let's not you know let's put a whole bunch of stuff on pause that we would normally do. And, you know, let's just encourage our people as best as we can. This episode is brought to you in part by Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary students are grounded in faith and formed in community. PTS students are preparing for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry, and Certificate Programs. Begin your Master's or Certificate Program in person or online. Financial aid is available. Visit pts.edu slash admit. You know, one of the things that I think that really brings this to point, this whole idea of like, of like using it. And I said it the first week that I gave an announcement and, and I caught myself and I felt convicted about it because I said, you know, this is, there are great obstacles in this, but there's also a great opportunity. And what I meant is there's a great, you know, kind of opportunity for our church to kind of rethink some things that we've done before, but then also like creatively get closer and things like that. But what I realized is that a lot of churches were using the opportunity language, not as an opportunity for service, but as an opportunity for growth, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's what you get at with the industrial complexes now, you know, and I was talking to Sandra Van Opsel about this is she's like, you know, I think the better word would be invitation, right? This is what is what is God inviting us to see and what is God inviting us to serve in? And so now I'm trying to kind of push away from that language. I sometimes still like fall into it, but you know, this whole idea of no, this is an invitation. This isn't like, okay, well, we brag about the fact that we had three times as many people watch our service than would have attended. And it's like, well, what does that even really matter? Yeah. And I get the whole idea that, okay, well, we spread the gospel. and But it seems like when the good news is about, quote unquote, church attendance, you're judging by the same metrics pre-COVID-19. And the same metrics are not going to work. We're not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be the same humanity. We're going to be different. Like we're we're going to be shaped by PTSD and shaped by loss and and shaped by fear and anxiety and worry and really shaped by this this sense of our world has been upended. And so, how does the gospel speak to our world being upended? And that's that's I think really what resonates with what you're saying is we need to stop looking at this as an opportunity for growing but an opportunity for growing, not numerically, but really growing uh, deeper in our service to our community and deeper in our sensitivity to one another. And I think that's the the invitation. And if we use it as an opportunity, it's like, man, well, why are we, it feels like we're profiting off of this. Like, mm-hmm. It feels like we're like, okay, well, here, here, you can do this and you can do that and, and, and join us here and join us there. And it's like, well, 
I mean, if that's like native to your church, like I get it, that that's fine. Like I'm not, I'm not critiquing the specific things, but it's weird when we start bragging about like, oh man, 50,000 people watched. And it's like, well, cool. But the the point was never the seats. The point was never the eyes. Mm-hmm. The point was the witness, right? Like, so how does, yeah. how does the witness of the church represent in that? And even if people watch and they get the sense that there's more money put into this production than into the food pantry. Like, you know, mm-hmm. things like that, yeah. like, like that type of thing. Like, okay, well, hopefully we're taking the money that we get and putting it into the food pantry and putting it into disaster relief. And we had this long conversation at our church on um, just our, 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 our all team meeting on Wednesday night about, you know, Hey, is there any way that we can volunteer? Like there's a, there are a couple of people in our church that work at um, disaster relief um, agencies. And they're like, yo, you, you guys can sign up to volunteer to make calls. Like you don't have to be present, but you can make calls. You can be a connector. You can receive calls. Like you can sign up here to do this and that. And I was like, okay, well, this is giving us a better sense of none of this helps our church. <laughs> like that's not going to help. That's not going to help our bottom line and grow our church. We're not going to be on the news because a whole group of people signed up to be volunteers, right? <laughs> like we're not going to be mm-hmm. on the news for that, right? And that's a good thing, right? Do the things in private and in secret, and then God will God will see and God mm-hmm. will take pride in that, right? And so there is a sense in which the church, and it's a thin line, there is a sense in which the church is like a witness to a watching world, but then there's another sense in which the church starts to do programs that make it look good. Mm-hmm. And we can't we can't do programs that make us look good while people are dying. Exactly. What is the point? Like people are literally losing their lives by the thousands. What does it matter if we had a dope Sunday morning service? It doesn't matter, you know. It just it doesn't. And really, I mean, the church right now, we are in exile. We aren't. We we are in a in, in a moment where so good. we so are good not. We're it's yes. not the time as usual. So to me, like this idea of we're going to, we're going to stream our church and everything is going to be just, it's going to be the same experience. Like if you were, if you were right there, I just don't think that that's tenable while people are dying. I just don't think that that's right now. I think that our, and and I say that, and once again, I am not trying to criticize production value. I am not trying to criticize creating an experience for your people. But I think that that right now we are we are in exile, and so what we are doing, I feel like as if, if I were pastoring a church right now, my mindset would be about caring for as it always should be, but specifically in this type of of situation, it would be about caring for the flock and tending the flock. And so, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. we're going to mm-hmm. stream our services because we want for the flock to be able to, we're going to engage in this, in this kind of corporate worship moment together. Mm-hmm. But this is something that's, that's really, that is for us. It's not for yes. people yes. to come and yeah. kind of sit in church shop, church shop, Shopping is canceled. Like it right. just, it just and, uh, is. That's like, another whole, thing, whole, right? Like the whole is yes. canceled. Yes, and that's another thing, right? So now, what tends to happen? So here's here's something I've kind of been workshopping this concept, this idea that that the answer to all of our problems, to any almost any problem we face, is almost never like a bigger entity. And not just in the church, but really in life, right? So the answer is not like a massive company, 
right? The answer to all of our problems is not Amazon coming in and fixing us. The answer to all of our problems is not Disney coming in and fix. It's not like this massive organization that has all the money, resources, you know, the time and the talent to to um, solve a problem that we're facing. But it's almost always us leaning in and doing more in our context. And so what tends to happen is who was who benefits from this? Like who actually ends mm-hmm. up benefiting yeah. in the end from a global pandemic are the churches that have big budgets mm-hmm. and the churches that have, have all these employees and the churches that have high production value. And so it's it's not to say, man, oh, you know, well, it doesn't really matter because I know a lot of those bigger churches, you know, we're meeting at a church that's that's offered up to you to allow us to use their facilities and some of their personnel, right? Which was huge for us mm-hmm. because we would have had to figure out something different. And so that's a huge blessing to us. And so there are some churches that are doing those things and and offering those services. But the problem is, if you're not self-aware, you'll forget that you're in a place of, of immense extreme privilege, mm-hmm. that you have 30, 40 employees that, yes, you have to pay, but also that can do all the work for you when other churches are kind of, you know, going to kind of be poached and now competing against your church when really all we wanted to do was just stream our services so our people could still be encouraged. Oh my gosh. So our people, yes. You know what I'm saying? So now it's like, yo, yes. I don't want to compete. I'm not trying to preach better than you or get your members or sing better than y'all. I just wanted to be authentic to who we are. And I felt like, you know, there there's a sense in which like, you know, that a bigger church and a mega church, the mega churches are going to aren't going to have as many things to worry about in this season. They do have more responsibilities. They do have more personnel. They do have more salaries, but now they're going to, they're going to have also the infrastructure to audible. And that was one of the things I was telling, you know, our team is that, man, we don't have the infrastructure just to make a split, make a snap decision. And then now all of a sudden our entire church is shifted to this and everybody, we have a tech guy that used to work for this person and that person. And it's like, man, we didn't really have that. And so God in his grace connected us with a, another organization that helped us. But for a lot of people, they're not doing that self-awareness. Instead, mm-hmm. they're continuing on with business as usual. Yes. And, you know, it's funny because, you, you know, by the time this comes out, the sermon will already be out. But there was a, a part in my sermon where I talked about um, Mark chapter 20 um, for Palm Sunday. And in the sermon, I talked about how the two blind men, the two blind men cried out to Jesus as he passed by. And it's so ironic because the crowd of people that when they cried out, like, Lord, you know, son of David, have mercy on us, that the crowd of people told them to be quiet. And I said, isn't it funny that the people who were following Jesus got in the way of the opportunity for these people who were in need of the love and the healing power of Jesus to actually experience him? And so I said, it's funny because it seems like the crowd was enjoying Jesus so much and enjoying Jesus so you know deeply and intensely that they forgot that the command of Jesus is to love and show compassion. And so isn't it funny that many of us, we love our private experience with Jesus so much Mm-mm-mm. that it's clouding the way we serve our neighbors. It's clouding the way we love the people in our communities. And you know, it's just so convicting for me because I'm like, man, church has to change. This is yeah. this is going to change the way we do it forever. And I hope I hope we don't go back to normal. I hope we don't go back to business as usual. I hope we say God intentionally allowed this. I don't know if he uh, that's above my pay grade, the mind and the will of God and the sovereignty of God, but God certainly allowed this so that everything would stop. 
And if everything is going to stop, we can't restart it as though God didn't stop it. (laughs) You know, we can't restart it as though God didn't say, y'all better learn some things from this. And so I had this conversation with our church, like, man, we, it can't be business as usual. No, we can't, we can't, we can't stop. We can't keep looking like the church and not being the church. Like we can't keep being and saying these things and, and talking about it and then not really actually loving our neighbors. So you know, there's a whole lot that's built into that, but I'm so convicted because I'm like, how have I just, how have I been a promoter of good church without actually following mm-hmm. the commands of what a healthy church looks like? And it's it's so convicting for me. And so I'm thinking about it in my context. I know a lot of people who are listening are thinking about it in their context, but I just hope like what you said, it really resonates with me. God is putting us on pause. Like it's a divine stop. Like reflect, don't do yes. more programs. Don't do as much as you would do. Don't do more than you would do. I heard someone brag and they were like, we working harder than what we we, we did before. I'm like, that's, that's unhealthy. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm like, bro, don't work harder. Like, you know, like sit back and say, God, God is almost saying, I'm giving you the perfect golden opportunity to stop striving, to stop acting as though, you have to keep up with the Western expectations, the capitalistic expectations of what evangelicalism tells you mm-hmm. is right mm-hmm. and acceptable, you know. And and man, maybe it's a time now where the entire church can change. Wouldn't that be great if the entire church just said the things we've we've put faith and hope in, it doesn't matter as much as it did before. And let's amen. keep that permanent, you know. Amen and amen. So I think this has really been hopefully challenging for you all. I know we're in different denominational contexts, but how are you How are you experiencing church and what's been encouraging for you? What's been challenging for you? What's been shaping for you? Reach out to us. Um, you, you can tweet at us at The Witness BCC. Obviously, I'm at Burns23. Um, Ali, give them your Twitter handle so that they know. So my Twitter handle is at the armchair com, which is short for the armchair commentary, but Twitter doesn't let you have that many characters. So there you go. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. I hope you're staying safe, staying healthy. We'll be back with more COVID conversation, more Black Christian conversation on the COVID crisis. And I hope you're staying healthy and safe. And I hope you're adhering to the guidelines. Stay home, stay home, love your neighbors. We'll see you soon right here on Pastor Mike. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.